0: So if we can get a kid and his parent, his mom or his dad to come out, even better, um, so that we can help them form that relationship and that bond um, as, as we go into the outdoors. What, what we're trying to do is just, just get our message out there about the importance of getting youth out there. And I think people are, understand it, and I think they, there's a lot of people out there that, that that resounds with, that message, about the importance of getting people out there, youth, kids. You know, it doesn't really matter what age, if 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 we can introduce new hunters, uh, late onset hunters, um, to the outdoors, I'm all for it. That's great. Just getting people aware of the outdoors and, and what's available out there for them is is our biggest message, and hopefully that uh, overshadows the the negative connotation that comes along with nimrod sometimes.
1: For many of the people that are listening to the Rise podcast, you guys may have kids and if you don't then of course you're going to know people who have kids and it's extremely important that us as older individuals whether it be parents guardians uncles aunts cousins whatever role we may have where we are involved in the lives of the youths then it's important that we have a positive impact on their life and of course as hunters and as outdoorsmen we have an incredible opportunity to be able to introduce them into the outdoors My guest today is Jeff Barlow. He is the founder of Nimrod Outdoors. He's got an incredible platform that he has developed along with his kids, where he has had the opportunity to be able to introduce youth into the outdoors, into the process of hunting, and be able to teach them how to hunt and how to be self-reliant out in the outdoors. So be sure that you guys check out Nimrod Outdoors once you hear mine and Jeff's conversation. Before we get to that, I just want to let you guys know that the Rise Elite Podcast is listener supported. If you guys want to help improve the audio and potentially the visual experience for the listeners and guests, then you guys can support the Rise Elite Podcast today. And just to be one hundred percent transparent, my plan for the support that comes through for the Rise Elite Podcast from you guys is going to be used on being able to host visual interviews for this show. Up to this point, I've been using a software that. You, does just audio, and I'm hoping to be able to implement some visual interviews as well into the future of the Rice podcast. So that is my plan as far as the listener support goes. If you guys are interested in supporting the Rice podcast, scroll down to the details of the show and you guys will be able to see how you can help out and support the show today. Also, if you guys haven't already connected with me on Instagram and Facebook, go ahead and do that on instagram you can find me at the handle at RiseKillEat. and then on facebook you can find me at facebook.com slash rke afield so that's rke as in rice kill eat afield all right so make sure you connect with me there give me a like give me a follow connect with me send me a message let me know what you think about the show whether good or bad <laughs> i'm okay with negative comments as well you know I, I, we can see it as criticism but if you're enjoying the show i'd love to hear that too so if you guys connect with me that would be awesome I appreciate you guys listening today, and I'm excited to be able to share this conversation that I had with Jeff Barlow. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into my talk with Jeff with Nimrod Outdoors. So here we go. So I'm sitting here with Jeff Barlow. I appreciate you taking some time to talk with me tonight, Jeff. Well, I am very excited to be on tonight,
0: Tyler. It's good. I think it's going to be a great evening tonight.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you're over there in Utah, am I? Do I have that right?
0: Yeah, we are in Utah, Central Eastern Utah, a little town called Price, Utah. It's about uh, about two hours south southeast of uh, Salt Lake City area.
1: Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I haven't. I've never had the privilege of being able to make it out to Utah. I'm hoping to make it out there sometime and I've heard it's an absolute beautiful state and from what I can tell they are definitely telling the truth because it looks awesome out there. So what are you doing right now as far as, you know, getting prepared for the hunting season with, you know, fall coming right around the corner? What's going on as far as your yeah. preparations go?
0: Yeah, fall fall is coming right up fast. <laughs> but, uh, to 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 tell you the truth here in Utah, the archery hunt starts middle of august oh i'm jealous so we are actually walking out the door friday morning to head up on the mountain to hunt saturday our hunt starts saturday for archery and uh, so right now we've got the uh the front room in the house and it is uh covered with backpacks and everything that's getting ready to be put into the
1: backpacks and loaded
0: up so that we can head out friday morning
1: man it sounds like you got a big weekend ahead of you i'm glad i caught you tonight then <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe if you'd have caught me next week would have had a big buck on the ground <laughs> no right that's all right we can <laughs> we maybe schedule us another one then we can hear a story about that hopefully if it works out for you but
0: <laughs> that would be awesome but yeah we've been uh we've been going for a couple months and uh scouting doing a lot of glassing uh setting trail cams um, looking into some new areas just trying to learn uh, some new areas that we found uh, that, uh, that are a little bit more remote and, uh, hopefully we'll have less, uh, less people in there and we'll, uh, we'll be able to find some good critters in there.
1: So are you hunting, uh, public land? Is it, is it all public we land? Are. Okay.
0: Yep. That's, that's all we really hunt out here. Well, as far as me and my family, uh, that's all we really hunt. We don't uh, have access to any uh, private ground or anything like that. So it's all public.
1: So what's that process kind of like for you over, you know, trying to find the, the right public access points and making sure that, you know, of course there's obviously going to be animals there. And what's that process kind of look like as far as the, the scouting process goes?
0: Well, I, I love maps and I'm kind of a map geek and, uh, uh, Google earth is, is, uh, one of the greatest inventions I ever found. <laughs> and, uh, between that and Onyx maps, I use Onyx uh, maps a lot for, um, uh, locating, locating, uh, public lands versus private lands, you know, and things like that. Uh, but I use a mixture of the two a lot and I do it, I do it all year. Um, and so I found this, uh, this piece of ground. It's a really good piece of ground. Um, it's, uh, surrounded by private. Um, and it's, uh, it's not, there's no roads into it. It's not easily accessible. Um, so we went to look at it to see what it would look like and put some boots on the ground. And, um, we found the reason why it's not accessible and why a lot of people don't go in there, uh, right out of the car, the first half a mile on the trail is 1100 feet vertical. Oh, shoot! <laughs> uh, so in a half a mile, you're going straight up 1100 feet. Um, and it's not for, uh, not for the faint of heart. I tell you that it's, it's a good workout.
1: Yeah. That, that whole scouting, you know, from the computer thing, I think that's something that everybody that does all types of hunting can really take, can really take advantage of. I know, like I said, we were talking beforehand, I'm over here in Kentucky and, you know, white tail season's coming up for us here soon and that, that scouting process, it, it starts, know at the computer you got to study those maps yeah. study the, t- the topography of the farms from you know or in our case and then the the just basically the shape of the land to see where these animals are going to be and you know i'm sure that is like you said is obviously going to be amplified in a place where you know it's going to be much more wide open and the the terrain is going to be much more uh i guess it's a lot tougher i guess as you were kind of yeah. getting out there <laughs>
0: much, much more
1: uh accentuated <laughs> yes.
0: once you, once you get boots on the ground it uh, it becomes a little bit different of a story
1: yeah definitely and then yeah and that that part too the whole boots on the ground too that's an important aspect of it too if you if the first time you're showing up to a property or first time you're showing up to the land is whenever you got a bow in your hand you're ready to go out and you know, hunt, then you yeah. have failed yourself at the whole, the whole scouting process because the whole mean, preparation process. Exactly. Exactly. Cause it's got to start on the computer. It's got to start by looking at maps and not necessarily on a computer. Some people, you know, they, some, some people, they still prefer the Atlas thing. I don't know of any around, but <laughs> I'm sure they do the, the hard paper <laughs> copies, but <laughs> I'm sure they're around somewhere, but you got to start looking yeah. at those maps. And then of course you boost on the ground. And then that's when you're going to discover the types of things that you discovered. <laughs> Yeah. So a couple years ago, for instance, um,
0: I was looking around on Google Earth and, uh, and I found this uh, place um, in the Uinta Wilderness. Uh, it's a wilderness area here in, in northern Utah. Um, and it's it's, um, it's it's it holds the, the highest peak in Utah, uh, this wilderness area. So it's it's some rugged country. Um, and I was looking in these drainages and basins and things like that. And, uh, I happened to zoom in on this little meadow and I found on Google earth imagery about 70, 80 elk in a meadow (laughs) on Google earth imagery. I'm like, really, that's very cool. Uh, so the next summer, uh, one of my boys and I threw on our backpacks and packed into there, uh, to take a look around to see if it would be a good place to, to do some elk hunting. And, uh, we got up to where we were supposed to be, and we started looking around, and lo and behold, there was a group of about 60 or 70 elk in that very meadow that I saw on Google Earth, and they were there in real life. Um, now, this was 13 or 14 miles deep into the wilderness area, and we figured, yeah, it might probably be a little bit too far to pack something out of here without horses, uh, so we haven't gone back in uh, to hunt it but we know they're there. We saw them on Google earth. We put boots on the ground. We got there and we looked, they were still there right there where the picture showed them. Um, so we now have a plan where we can go in and do some elk hunting. Uh, but we would definitely need some horses to get in and out with that.
1: <laughs> if that's not a sign then I don't know what is, if you're looking on Google earth and you already see elk there, <laughs> that's a that's, yeah. a, that's gotta be a sign right there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's exactly that, and I wanted to check it out. I wanted to see what the country was like and why these elk were liking it so much that they were there on these photos, Um, and I'll be darned, they were there.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, have you always lived in Utah? Has that always been the area where you've uh, grown up?
0: Yeah, actually, I was born in a town called St. George, Utah. I lived lived there in St. George, Utah. It's the very southwest corner of uh, the state of Utah about an hour and a half, two hours north of Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, So a very, very similar climate to uh, Las Vegas. Very hot during the summers. Uh, I remember summer days getting, you know, 114, 115 degrees um, in the summer. Um, Very dry, uh, desert climate. Um, So I grew up there in St. George and lived there for, oh, probably the first 35 years of my life. I was there in St. George. Um, then about the last 10 years, uh, or so my wife and I, we've moved up to, uh, to Price, Utah, uh, for work. So that's where we're at currently, but yeah, we've lived, uh, born and raised in Utah and lived here all our life.
1: So when did your, uh, when did your journey with hunting, when did did your journey with the outdoors, when did that kind of start for you?
0: Well, I think if you ask my mother she'd tell you it was in the womb, (laughs) um, but, uh, no, I've, uh, always loved the outdoors, uh, from, from day one. Um, my grandfather, um, on my mother's side, uh, loved the outdoors. He uh, spent uh, a lot of his life in the outdoors. Um, he worked, uh, after he retired, he worked uh, for free for the, uh, for the, uh, forest service. Um, and he was just, he'd just be out in the mountains, uh, cleaning trails or building fence or whatever. Uh, I just loved being out in the outdoors. And he, he was the one that always took me uh, fishing and things like that. Um, of course my, my father took me out hunting and, and I grew up, uh, as a little kid chasing him around the mountains. And, and, uh, I still hear the words all the time. You gotta be quiet. The (laughs) deer will heal you. You gotta be quiet. Hold still. You know? And, And those are things that I tell my kids now. Um, but yeah, from a very, very early age, I, uh, I grew up in the outdoors and just, uh, I just love the outdoors there. There's something peaceful about them. Uh, something that, uh, um, now I realize more than anything that it's a place that I can get away from everything and, uh, and get closer to my heavenly father and uh, feel his presence easier. Um, it's just a place I, I go to recharge and
1: I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm right there with you. That's exactly what it's like for me. I mean, it's, I'm ready, especially with all this craziness going on right now. You know, with the the COVID stuff and all that kind of stuff. I'm ready to get out of the dang house and I'm ready to hit the woods. <laughs> like, I'm, oh yeah, that's why I'm, oh, yeah. I'm jealous of you to be able to get out this weekend and be able to get some hunting done. Because I'm just, it, I think it's instilled in us. I think it's something that God has literally put into our DNA to want to be out into His creation and to see Him. You know, just like Romans one twenty says, to be able to see Him and be able to, you know, experience God through his creation. I can definitely, that's definitely I can, yeah. something I can relate to.
0: If you, uh, if you ever get a chance to come out to Utah, um, I think I'm a little biased. I have visited quite a few of the States in the United States in my years. Uh, but I think we have one of the prettiest States in the, uh, in the country. Uh, you can go from, from 13,000 feet at King's peak the high alpines uh, to the the desert um, we've got you know Grand Canyon Bryce Canyon uh, you know we've got the moab area with the red rocks and canyon lands and arches and there is just so much variety in this state um, that that uh, if you can't see the hand of God in creating this state
1: uh, you're you're crazy Absolutely, definitely. You definitely got that right. And now, of course, that brings us up to, you know, the your platform being Nimrod Outdoors. You know, where (laughs) where does that kind of come from? Where did that come from? (laughs) You know, what's kind of the inspiration behind what you're wanting to, I guess, achieve with your platform?
0: Well, years ago when I when I started it, um, my wife and I it was was kind of before. Uh, Instagram, even uh, my wife and I kind of had a, a joint uh, Facebook account, and uh, it got to the point that she told me, "You're going to have to do something different." All I all I ever do, and remember, this was a joint account. <laughs> uh, all I ever see is your hunting stuff on my page, <laughs> and, and so at that point, I knew, okay, I got to do something different. Uh, so uh, about that time, I had been reading in Genesis um, and read. Um, about Nimrod in, uh, in Genesis chapter 10, um, in, in, Genesis 10 verse nine, it talks about Nimrod and it says that, that, uh, he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Um, and I thought, oh man, that's perfect. That's what I want to be. I want to be a mighty hunter before the Lord. Um, and so that's where the name came from, uh, was Nim- Nimrod Outdoors, um, Later in life, if you look at the if you look at the life of Nimrod, he doesn't turn out to be a very good guy. <laughs> um, uh, he's the founder, basically the founder of the Tower of Babel, and uh, and uh, kind of becomes very rebellious towards the Lord. Uh, but that's not what we wanted to focus on. We wanted to focus on being a mighty hunter before the Lord. Um, and so and so that's that's where the name came from. Um, at the time we started. Um, I had, uh, my, my two oldest boys were, were teenagers, um, and I was looking for something to do to, to keep me involved in their lives and, and them involved with me. Um, and so we started up the social media pages of Nimrod Outdoors on Facebook and, uh, we started, uh, filming our, filming our hunts, um, and our outdoor activities and uh, we, we created a YouTube channel. We have a YouTube channel, uh, Nimrod Outdoors. Um, and we started putting all of those, um, those hunts and outdoor activities on the YouTube channel. Um, and then, of course, since new social media things have come along, Instagram and Twitter, uh, you know, and all these, we've, we've added these accounts to, to go along with our social media. But um, that was the basis of, of where it came from. Um, and the whole purpose was, was to be involved with my, with my kids and my boys, um, to get them, it's kind of ironic to get them away from their computers and their screens (laughs) and their tablets and their phones and things like that. We created a platform where they were on their tablets and phones and screens, kind of of ironic, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, but it was a great way to get us get us in the outdoors together and be able to enjoy and learn and, and have some fun together and share and make some great memories. Um, so that's that's the basis of Nimrod Outdoors and what we want to do with it is, we don't care who's whose kids come with us. Uh, we want to involve the youth in the outdoors and get them out, get them learning about the outdoors, learning about. Um, the whole heritage, the whole tradition, the whole, you know, the whole outdoor um, arena um, and teach them about how awesome God is in creating all of this for us and giving us the opportunity to be out there. Um, So that's, that's kind of our platform and what we, what we are trying to accomplish and, and uh, hopefully um, it's a, it's a message that uh, resounds with a lot of people and a lot of people can get on board and, and start
1: mentoring the youth and getting them out in the outdoors. Yeah, that's great that you've, you know, you've really prioritized youth, you know, with your platform, of course. And that's something that I think, you know, a lot of hunters and a lot of outdoorsmen in general, they kind of, um, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking wrong here, but they're kind, they kind of overlook the the younger generation but in reality like the younger generation like the the teenagers now and like i have a six-year-old little boy and a uh four-year-old little girl so like they are getting to the point now that where they're wanting to go out and hunt and that kind of thing and i'm actually hoping to be able to take my son out and be able to get him a whitetail this this fall and that would be excellent yeah absolutely and i'm really looking forward to it and it's one of those things that like if if we aren't you know, having the type of influence that we need to have as parents on our children, then there will be other things that are going to influence them. And a lot of those other things are going to be, you know, negative, negative things. Like you turn on, you turn on the news, you turn on the TV right now, social media, like there's a lot of things that are speaking into our kids' lives right now. And if we are not going, and if we're not taking the, uh, taking the role to be proactive in that as parents, then, it definitely has the the possibility of being something that is going to be of course adverse very 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 true you know uh, teenagers
0: and kids by nature are looking for acceptance and, and inclusion yeah and so if you don't like you said if you don't take that opportunity to do that they will find that somewhere else that's just in their nature as as, as kids And so it's very important that we, we get out and we take them and, and it might be just going for a bike ride. Mm -hmm. It might be just going for a walk on a Sunday afternoon. Um, You know, it doesn't matter. We just need to get them out and, and help them feel included um, and accepted for who they are. Uh, I talked to, uh, did a podcast with the, with a guy named Johnny Mac uh, a while back. He's got a, a podcast called the soulful podcast. Um, and his big thing is uh, he kind of goes with the mantra of mentorship is conservation. Um, If you, if you think about it, it's true. Yeah. Um, That next generation is what is, is going to make or break um, our
1: heritage and our traditions and things like that. Mentorship is conservation. Yeah, it definitely is. And that's exactly what you're saying. I mean, that's going to be, something that is going to either extend, you know, our opportunity is going to extend our tradition to be able to continue to hunt, or it's going to be the thing that actually ends up putting it in the ground. I mean, it's because, yeah. I, mean, I mean, with as long as, because we mentioned the Bible, of course, in Nimrod being a hunter, you know, these hunting is something that has been you know, around since the beginning of human history. No, ever since God yeah. created this, I mean, ever since the fall and death entered into the picture, hunting has been a thing that has been going on. That's why you see it so early on with Nimrod in, you know, Genesis chapter 10. You know, even that early, we see it in that point, And it's something that has continued up to this point. But we live in a culture now that is, of course you know geared towards instant gratification we want our meat package if we even eat meat we want a package and we want it in a pretty you know brightly colored package from the grocery store that way we don't have to get blood on our hands and you know that whole that's something that has overtaken our society and overtaken really much of the world and what's being lost is these all these opportunities for us to be able to speak into our kids lives and be able to take them out and Teach them the ways of the woods to teach them to be woodsmen and to teach them to be, you know, people who are going to look to creation to see the creator. I mean, that's, yeah. that's something that I'm I'm just as a parent, you know, that's something I, I fear, you know, as our kids get older and that kind of thing, I fear is going to be lost as as things kind of advance. But it's I guess in a lot of ways, it's up to us, the ones that are here now to make sure that that continues on exactly that is exactly right so to kind of jump back on nimrod a little bit you know i was looking him up a little bit and of course you uh mentioned how he was the kind of one of the founders and one of the main guys of the tower of babel which of course was uh bad news in in the book of genesis <laughs> so so that yeah that, that was uh not a good time for nimrod but there there are you know a few verses that specifically speak to nimrod and you know a couple of them mentioned his might like how strong he is and that kind of thing and how he is, you know, a, a great warrior, or a great hunter and that kind of thing. Like we were saying, like mm-hmm. that's something that of course continues on today. So I think in a, a lot of ways, like culture today, you, you, when you hear the word Nimrod or the name Nimrod, you think of it kind of as an insult, but you know, yeah. and I think it's a lot of kind of what we were talking about just a second ago, how, you know, hunters are seen as, you know, something that we're parte- participating in something that doesn't necessarily have to, quote unquote, have to occur because we have, you know, farmers who can get our meat for us and all that kind of thing. So I think it's been kind of warped in a way that the name has been warped in a way that has, of course, you know, become an insult. And so how yeah. are you kind of making sure that the word Nimrod, whenever you hear it, of course, Nimrod Outdoors. How? What are some ways that you're trying to to make sure that you're focusing on on the good aspects of who Nimrod is?
0: Well, I think the the main thing that we do is is of course involve the youth get get the youth there so that our message of getting the the kids and teaching the kids and passing on the tradition um, is heard. Um, I think that's one of the main things. Um, I'm I'm often surprised at how many People actually know of where the word Nimrod came from, yeah, um, and and the and the the genesis of of the word where it came from. Um, it, I kind of took a little twist on it as as I was as creating Nimrod Outdoors, our logo. If you ever look at our logo, um, it kind of uses that worldly connotation of Nimrod as you know, screwed up um, he's a Nimrod or whatever. Uh, so what I did with our logo is I mixed a deer and an elk and put them together in our logo, the front end of an elk and the, uh, the back end of a, of a mule deer. Um, and that's, that's our logo. It's, it's all mixed up. It's screwed up. It's a Nimrod. Um, that's awesome. I'm actually looking at it right now. That,
1: that looks pretty cool.
0: Yeah, so that what what we're trying to do is just just get our message out there about the importance of getting youth out there and I think people are understand it and I think they uh, there's a lot of people out there that that that, uh, that resounds with that message about the importance of getting people out there youth kids you know it doesn't really matter what age if 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 we can introduce new hunters uh, late onset hunters um, to the outdoors I'm all for it that's great mm-hmm. Um just getting people aware of the outdoors and, and what's available out there for them is, is our biggest message. And hopefully that, uh, overshadows the, the negative connotation that comes along with Nimrod sometimes.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, the late onset hunters, those guys that get into hunting, you know, much later in life. I've had a few guests on the show that were, I guess, considered late onset hunters and, you know, the kind of perspective that they have on being somebody who, you know who they have a lot of memories of being, of being a non-hunter, and then of course making that mm-hmm. transition into hunting. You know, they I think they have a a much greater, maybe not greater, but a much different perspective on you know the the act of hunting and the the pursuit and all the kind of work that goes into it. Yeah, a different appreciation for it. Yeah, definitely, definitely have a different appreciation for it, and because like I was saying, it's something that is you know they had a time in their life much of their life possibly where they weren't hunting. And, you know, for somebody like me who I've been hunting since I was a teenager, uh, probably right around the same age as your boys are is when I started hunting. So most of my life, I remember being out in the woods and, you know, looking forward to the fall, like I am right now, <laughs> looking forward yeah. to the fall that way I can get back no out. into the of year. That's right. That's right. So I, I think it's just the uh, incredible, um, that, you know, you guys, yes, you've, prioritize really just about everybody but of course you know people who are new to hunting you know in youth and that kind of thing yeah that's that's our biggest message and and, and we hope that we can can spread
0: that message and uh, they're the future of of our traditions and our heritages and our passions and our loves um, and if we don't instill that in them uh, they will disappear Yep, definitely
1: so has it just been, uh, your kids that you have taken out on some hunts and, you know, kind of introduced, or have you taken some other kids that aren't necessarily yours?
0: Oh yeah. We take, we'll take anybody that wants to go, um, uh, from shed hunting to, to archery hunting, to rifle hunting. It doesn't matter to fishing. Um, we go, um, once a year, we have a little uh, group of girls, uh, that we take out and we go fishing for the day. Uh, for a few hours. And we take those little girls out and my daughter is one of them that we take out. And, uh, uh, you know, there's a, there's a group of us that, that help these young girls to, to learn how to fish, learn how to bait a hook, um, things like that. And, uh, we videoed a couple of those and put them on our YouTube channel. Um, but you know, it really doesn't matter. I remember a few years back, we took a young man out. Um, his dad wasn't able to, uh, to take him. Um, in this situation that he was in. So we, we threw him in with us and we took him out and uh, we were archery hunting. And, um, he was, he came up to me really excited, um, uh, while we were hunting and he says, I found a great big deadhead four point. Um, <laughs> so, so we went and looked at it and, uh, we talked about it and we told him, well, this is what we do when we find a deadhead. Now a deadhead is, you know, an animal that's, that's died and and all the all the meat and bones have been eaten by by critters and things like that but the head and the antlers are still there and so it's really cool to find these and so we happen to tell him we'll get gps coordinates because in utah you can't pick dead heads up uh the the fishing game want to come out and investigate them to see if they were uh like a winter kill or an animal kill or if they had been shot by, uh, by somebody and poached. Uh, so they want to do a little investigating. So you're supposed to take GPS coordinates, uh, t- turn them into the, uh, the DWR, um, and they'll go out and investigate. And if they can't prove death or they can prove that it was a natural death, uh, then most of the time they will return the horns to you um, because you found them. If they can prove that it was poached, then then they have to take them and do more investigation and see what they can find out. Um, so we took GPS coordinates for this, this young man. Um, uh, when we got to cell service, I made a couple of phone calls to, uh, the, my friends that are DWR officers, uh, and told them about it. And, uh, they said, well, we'll, we'll be around that direction sometime. Um, we had some lunch and lo and behold, they drive up. Um, and so we grabbed them and went over and we showed them, um, where this, this deadhead was, uh, they did their investigation. They couldn't find anything, couldn't prove anything. Uh, it was an older deadhead. And so they gave the, uh, the deadhead to that, that young man. And he was super excited. He didn't, he wasn't able to harvest his own animal, but he got to take home that big deadhead four point buck. Um, and he's got it hanging on his wall in his house to this day. So he was super excited about it. Um, but just, You know, anytime we can take kids out uh, and get them outdoors, we love uh, sharing that experience with them.
1: And who knows that mean finding that deadhead and finding the the skull, (laughs) it may be something that, you know, as he looks up on the wall, he he remembers the story of, you know, you taking them out and you you know, of course involving him in the outdoors. And that may be something that leads to him actually going out again and hunting on his own. And, you know, it it may be the start of a snowball rolling down the hill and it may be something that he of course is going to pursue uh, later on in life. Oh yeah.
0: He's uh, he's now, he's got to be 18, 19 years old now Uh, graduated from high school, very, very avid outdoorsman uh, loves to go out and hunt and go shed hunting and things like that so yeah it was a very positive experience and and he is continuing uh, on his path in the outdoors now
1: that's great that's great so just to kind of back up a little bit you know what is the what is the process of introducing you know youth especially youth who may be a little reluctant or they may be you know i i, I teach middle school kids so i completely understand i I've got two kids of my (laughs) own, but I can, I completely understand as far as the youth mentality that, that early to mid teenage range, you know, everybody's wondering, you know, what they, what they think about so-and-so everybody wants to know all that kind of stuff. And so how do you kind of approach, uh, I guess asking kids if they are, if they are interested in getting outdoors and then of course, getting them to actually wake up at four o'clock in the morning to actually go and you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. How's that process kind of look for, for what you do? You want me to wake up at
0: what time? (laughs) All (laughs) right. So the one, the one good thing that, that we have, um, in, in our family is we have seven kids. Um, we have six, six boys and one girl in our, in our, as our children. Um, and so my boys and my daughter, Uh, They have lots and lots of friends. Some are interested in the outdoors, some are not, Um, but they are the easiest way to be able to connect with kids um, and be able to to gauge interest levels. Um, And it makes it a much easier um, invitation for them as well. Uh, If an invitation was to come from from me, a 47-year-old man <laughs> yeah. to take some kid out into the hills. Uh, in, number one, these days and age, you'd never know what parents would be thinking. Oh, <laughs> right. what's wrong yeah. with this guy wanting to take my kid out? Um, but where it comes from one of my children and saying, hey, you can come with me and my dad. We'd we'd be happy to help you or, or take you and, and things like that. So, So just by having my own children... And having them with their friends and being able to gauge interest and just talk to those kids about it. And uh, uh, they see um, how my relationship with my kids is. um, And A lot of them that come from broken homes or whatever, they want that kind of relationship with their families, you know, their mom or their dad. And and, uh, so if we can get a kid and his parent, his mom or his dad to come out, even better. Yeah. Um, so that we can help them form that relationship and that bond, um, as, as we go into the outdoors. Um, so like for, for us, you know, not to, not to be a a creepy guy that's 45 wanting to take (laughs) little kids out into the outdoors. Um, it's, it's the, the icebreaker is definitely my kids. And it's so easy to, to, to talk to other kids through them. Um, and that's, that's been our biggest success.
1: And do you typically have, uh, some parents that may join with you, Like they, they may yeah, parents
0: come with us. That's uh, awesome. And, and and it's great when they do, uh, we love to bring parents. Um, if, if we can help them form a bond with, with their child, that's great. Um,
1: that's awesome. Yeah. That, I, that's there's nothing better than that right there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So of course you mentioned too, you know, how you like to film hunts and, you know, Doing some photography. I've watched some of your videos kind of preparing for this. And I, I really like the way you guys put it together. And, you know, when did that kind of start for you? The the whole filming hunts and has there been times where it's been really tricky and all that kind of thing? <laughs> well, yeah, there's,
0: there's been some times, uh, we started filming them uh, way back, right, right when we kind of started Nimrod outdoors. Um, I had a, a really good, um, um, sought after tag, uh, here in the state of Utah, uh, I had a, a, mule deer tag for, uh, the area. It's a, it's a famous area called the Ponsagont. Um, very famous for, for large, large mule deer. Um, and if you ask any mule deer hunters, they know the Ponsagont. Um, so I had this tag and, and it was really the first one we ever tried filming. Um, my, uh, my boys at the time were, my oldest ones were 13 and 15 I think maybe it's 14 and 12 um but they came along with me on that hunt and that was the struggle (laughs) them with the video camera (laughs) was the struggle Uh, really shaky footage um, and things like that but it it made for a great great um, experience Uh, the second to last day we found uh, the buck that we had been chasing um, the whole hunt long, we'd been chasing this buck. Um, and we found him in a, in a, in a place that was very, very stalkable. Uh, so we made our way up and around this ridge and we located him down in the bottom. And, uh, he located us at the same time we located him, but he just, sit, he, he just sat there and laid there under that tree. And, uh, so I left my boys right there on that ridge Uh, with the video camera and, and our backpacks and things. And uh, I made my way off the backside of the ridge and all the way out and around and came in on the backside of this, this buck that was bedded there. And I told my boys, I said, you just stand up here with the video camera and you just kind of mill around right here on top of this ridge and you keep his attention on you. And I'm going to slip on in on the backside. And uh, I got in there and I, I, I started sneaking in down down the, the ridge on the backside and getting closer and closer. And, and, uh, I was watching them. They were giving me hand signals right and left and straight and things like that. And I was getting closer and I could tell by watching them that, uh, that at one point I was getting really close and they were getting really excited. Um, and I got to within about 30, 35 yards. Um, and I knew I was really close but I just couldn't find him. I couldn't find him for anything. I looked under trees. I looked everywhere I could possibly look to find him. Um, And I kept looking back at them and they're like, he's right below you. Um, They're hand signaling me and, and I'm still looking and, and uh, I'd probably been there in the same spot looking for like 10 minutes and I could not find him for anything. And I'm standing there looking and all of a sudden he stands up at 35 yards looks at me and walks around the tree. (laughs) And that was it game over. (laughs) Uh, But uh, it was a great experience. um, Me being the hunter and them at at 12 and 14 years old, being the guides and guiding me into this buck. Um, That was the first, first hunt we ever videoed. Um, If you go all the way back in, in our archives and, and watch it, you can, you can tell it was some pretty shaky footage.
1: <laughs> That's great though, that you really allowed them the experience to be able to, to kind of, I guess in a way, take charge of a situation, you know, being having a son and of course being a son and everything growing up, you know, those opportunities where the, the son has a, has a the opportunity to kind of point dad in the, in the direction, kind of, I guess in a way it allows him to, to take charge of a situation. And of course that's going to, uh, I guess, grow his leadership abilities. It's going to be able to allow him the, the confidence to be able to do that again, you know, much later on.
0: Oh yeah, very much. So at at this point, um, as we hunt together now, um, I turn to them and, and ask their opinion, uh, because I value their opinion as much as I value anybody else's on the mountain. Uh, they've been there enough they've done it enough they've experienced it enough that uh that I value their opinion and what they think and how we should uh, should attack a situation and um, they they have turned into very good hunters yeah that's
1: that's great that that reminds me of the book wild at heart by john Eldridge I don't know if you ever read that one it's one of my favorite not read that one it's an absolute incredible book. It's one of my favorite books of all time, but basically there's a section in there where he talks about how, you know, the son wants to know that he's got what it takes and he wants to hear that from his father. And he uses the, the scenario when Jesus is baptized and the Holy Spirit comes down, the the sky opens up, the Holy Spirit comes down. That's basically the father telling Jesus, the son, that, you know, you've got what it takes. And, that, that kind of whenever you're telling that story, yeah. I, I immediately thought about that because you're you're letting your kids know that, you know, you've got what it takes to be able to do this. You got what it takes to be able to to be successful out here in this in the in the woods and out here in the wilderness. And That's that's awesome that you have really put that kind of trust in in your kids. Uh, you know, I tell
0: you, as as adults, um, we underestimate our kids yeah we underestimate their strength their knowledge their uh, their will um i've got a i've got a nine-year-old uh a nine-year-old boy that uh that he spent the spring shed hunting with me um now we when we go out shed hunting we put on a lot of miles we put anywhere from 10 to 10 to 12 miles on each day when we're out shed hunting uh and we gain and and lose elevation. You know, one trip we went up 1,600 vertical feet um, in in our in our path, uh, and this nine year old boy was with me every step of the way. And during shed season, we probably put on close to a hundred miles during shed season, and he was there every step of the way. Now you tell me what nine year old boys are going to do that. There's not a lot of them that sit behind computers and the TV and their phones that will do that. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you make them push their boundaries and their limits and their things like that, these kids are amazing. They can do these hard things. And once they do them, they realize they can do hard things. There's no stopping them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You, You definitely hit the nail on the head and that's it really the limits that we put on them are going to eventually end up being the limits that they end up putting on themselves. Like if we keep yeah. telling them that, you know, no, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. Then eventually they're going to believe that and they're going to just stop trying. And that's when I think you end up seeing a lot of these kids that, you know, in a way they're kind of depressed and they, all they want to do is sit at home on video games yeah. and because they, they know that that's something that they can control the, the TV and their phones and their video games and they know that that's something that they're good at and they don't have to really try anything. But whenever we push them, we challenge them, then I think that's that's really when you see what they're made of. And like you said, I mean, almost all the time, we're going to be surprised at what they're capable of. And in a lot of ways, they're probably going to end up surprising themselves. They do. They end up surprising
0: themselves, and uh, they realize that the limits that they put on themselves is
1: up to them, and they can accomplish whatever they want. Yeah, certainly, certainly. So as far as the filming hunts go, is, do they you know, help out with the editing process? Do they put the, the clips together? Or are they involved in that process as well? Um, they haven't been so much um, in the past. Nobody some likes editing.
0: To... <laughs> yeah, no one likes editing. Uh, I've had a few of them that are starting to show some interest in it now. Um, and I've got some that uh, are, are uh, showing interest in the, the videoing end of things um, you know, taking the camera from me and them filming stuff on their own. Um, and so, so you can kind of see they, s- some of them will gravitate to different directions. Some of them will gravitate to the editing side. Some will gravitate to the, uh, to the filming side. Some of them, uh, my daughter gravitated. She loves to be in front of the screen. Um, so each of them have their own strengths and their, their own, um, things that they enjoy doing. Uh, the important thing is don't pinhole them and don't don't say no, you can't do this. Um, encourage them, let them try it all, and see what they like, and and go with it.
1: Yeah, definitely give them the opportunity to create a product, whether it be, you know, a film, whether it be, I don't know, maybe a song if they're in the music. Let them mm-hmm. go out and hunt. You know, basically let them create a product. And let it be theirs. And I think it's a, yeah. that's a great, if I had to give any kind of parenting advice, which I, like I said, I've only got a six-year-old and a four-year-old. So that's as far as my advice can go. So that's that's where it is. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be looking for some more. <laughs> but
0: I've, I've, got them, I've got them all the way down from 22 years old down
1: to seven years old. There we go. So you got a wide range there, but <laughs> yes, we do. So there was one thing also that, uh, I was checking out your website that I noticed and it was this, uh, Camp Nim- Nimrod. So what's Camp Nimrod and what are the plans for that as far as, you know, implementing that into Nimrod Outdoors?
0: So that's something I came up with last year and, and we're hoping to, uh, to, um, make it happen this year. Um, Camp Nimrod is, is, I've got a dedicated hunter tag here in Utah and that allows me to hunt all three hunts. Um, I've got my oldest son that has the same tag. So we can hunt the archery, the muzzleloader and the rifle hunt. Um, And then my other boys have tags for deer and elk. Uh, We don't, we don't need the meat. Uh, Our freezers are full. Um, So what, what I came up with was, I'm going to give my tag up. And my oldest son said he'd give his tag up. um, And we're looking for, for youth that have never had the chance or the opportunity uh, to hunt um, mule deer in Utah. Um, There's kind of a, a stigma of, of, that's the, that's the cool thing to hunt in Utah, you know, uh, the mule deer. Um, Anyways, we want to put on a big, a big show for these kids. Uh, we want to bring them to to camp Nimrod. Um, and we'll have, uh, have their families come with them. Um, I've talked to uh, a lot of my friends and, and some sponsors. Um, we'll put on a big dinner for them, uh, have it catered, uh, would, would, uh, bring the, uh, division of wildlife up and have, uh, have one of the wildlife officers, uh, um, talk to them about conservation and things like that. Um, and Utah has a great mentor program, uh, where a, a, a kid that does not have a tag or did not draw a tag, um, they can hunt off of an adult's tag, uh, that will mentor them. So I could mentor a kid and allow that, that kid to, to hunt off my tag and be able to harvest an animal off of my tag. Um, and so we're trying to get a couple of guys that will come and mentor kids and be able to bring, you know, three or four kids up to Camp Nimrod. Um, we've got uh, some great sponsors um, that will uh, donate some backpacks for these kids, some uh, camouflage clothing for these kids, um, even uh, some, some optics for these for these kids, and just make it a, make it a great, ex- special experience for them uh, to come to Camp Nimrod and, uh, and, uh, be mentored, uh, out
1: in the field. You know, in today's like social media field world, where everybody, where it seems like everybody who hunts, well, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people who hunt, they, they really want, like, how much can I get? You know, I want I really want to make sure that, I don't know, I'm getting this, I don't know, 250 inch mule deer or 400 inch, elk but the fact that you've given up purposefully given up their, your tags and you know allowing these kids the opportunity to learn something new and experience something new i think it's just absolutely incredible because i mean just as like i was saying just as easily as somebody else may take those tags and go try to film them and you know some monster deer and elk you know that's that's not something that is of course a priority for you as far as your tags go and that's that's incredible
0: yeah yeah, that's 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 what we're hoping to do, and uh, have a great uh, a great event, and uh, bring these kids to Camp Nimrod, and just show them a great time, and then of course get them out in the field, and and uh, hopefully help them to harvest their first animal.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's great. So, when is that taking place? You may have said it, I may, might have missed it.
0: That that will be for the rifle hunt that's in uh, mid to late October uh, here in Utah. Um, and so hopefully we can get it all situated and get it all going. Uh, like I said, I've talked to a bunch of sponsors and, and people that, uh, that would love to be part of it. And so that's, that's what we're going for.
1: That's great. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing how that all plays out come October. I'll be following that pretty closely.
0: That'd be great. We'd love to have your input and, uh, and to help us spread the word.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely going to do that. So I've got a couple more questions for you kind of, as we're, we're closing down here. Um, this first one, I don't know if I really prepared you for it, but this is something that I always like to ask my guests. I always Uh-oh, like random to, questions, random question. Here we go. <laughs> I always like to, uh, to throw this out there, just kind of at the end of the conversation after we've kind of gone through, you know, what you're all about. And, you know, for you personally, what does hunting mean to you? Oh man.
0: I, I don't know if I can, can explain uh, what hunting means to me. I was asked one day, uh, you know, being, being a father of seven kids, uh, I was asked one day, um, what is your favorite sound in the outdoors to hear? And I said, nothing, absolute silence. (laughs) (laughs) And, And that's because my house is very chaotic and it's always noisy. Um, but that is one of the things I love to hear in the outdoors is silence. Um, it gives me the opportunity to, uh, re-energize, um, get closer to my heavenly father, uh, enjoy his creations. Um, and just, just do a little soul searching and, and become, become a better person. Uh, and that's one reason I love to get out and go hunting. The other one, of course is family. Um, getting my boys out there, my daughter out there, my wife, um, getting out, spending time in the outdoors with my family. Um, we used to, uh, living in southern Utah, spend a lot of time with my extended family, uh, my dad's family, my cousins, my uncles. Um, and we would, have, we would have big camps. Uh, the whole family would be there uh, and camp together and go hunting. Uh, so, so family time is, is another huge part of hunting. Um, being able to provide for my family, uh, good clean meat and protein—that uh, is a—it's a great side. Um, th- that's just like icing
1: on the cake, right there. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That the whole family camaraderie, you know, just being together and all that kind of thing is something that seems to always show back up whenever I ask people that question. I think it's just some a testament to you know that hunting is really, it's more than just the act of killing. Like there's so much more to it. There's so much more around it yeah. than just that part. Of course, that's a part that is necessary. It's a part that does happen and it's a part that, you know, life eats life. And that's something that we got to do in order to, like you were saying, get that meat on the plate. But at the same time, it's, that's not all it is. Like there's so much more to it. And for anybody who has been hunting for, you know, any amount of time in their life, they have some kind of story similar to that. And that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, no problem. All right. So where can listeners, where can they connect with you? Where can they check out Nimrod outdoors? What are all the the outlets as far as your content goes?
0: Well, of course we're, uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we got our YouTube channel. Uh, everything is, as uh, listed as Nimrod outdoors. Um, we have a Twitter account. We, uh, my boys even got me to do a snapchat account um, but everything everything is uh, listed as Nimrod outdoors uh, you can find us on the on the web um, at uh, Um but uh, yeah that's uh, those those uh, avenues have uh, my contact information you can email me at any time with any kind of questions uh, anything like that. Uh, we just love to hear from people and, uh, be able to, to chat with people. Um, that's one thing I can do all day long is talk hunting.
1: All right, definitely. Definitely. And I'll make sure I include all that information down in the details of the show. That way, if people are interested in checking out Nimrod Outdoors and connecting with you, they'll be able to click those links down there and be able to go straight to that. So Jeff, I appreciate you being on the Rise Gilly podcast. This was a really awesome really awesome conversation all about really just about everything you know of course family and hunting and all the things that truly matter so i appreciate you being on the rice kelly podcast with me
0: well tyler i really appreciate the invitation and it has been a great evening and uh hope your your listeners enjoy it and uh, get on the uh the uh, movement of getting the youth in the outdoors and uh, mentoring
1: absolutely absolutely 100 all right there we go guys so there was my conversation with Jeff Barlow of Nimrod Outdoors. If that doesn't inspire you to introduce youth in your life, whether it be your kids, but whether it be your nephews, nieces, whoever it may be in your life that is is around that teenage age, then I don't know what's going to. The platform that Jeff has developed with Nimrod Outdoors has been something that I know has impacted a lot of young people's lives, and I know it's going to continue to do that. So thank you guys for listening to my conversation with him today. If you guys found any value from today's episode, be sure to leave a rating and review in the podcast platform that you're listening on. I know most of you guys are probably listening on, on Apple Podcast based on the demographics that I can see on my side. So Apple Podcast has a really easy way to be able to leave ratings and reviews. Basically, if you go to the homepage of the Rise of Elite Podcast, scroll down to the bottom, you can click one through five stars, whatever you feel like the show deserves, and then leave a real quick review. All right, So, maybe you love the show, maybe you hate it, whatever it may be. <laughs> you can leave a rating and review there, and I would greatly appreciate it. So, thank you guys again for listening to the Rise Elite podcast. One last thing before I let you go be sure to connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram, you can find me at the handle at Rise Elite, and then on Facebook, you can find me at facebook.com slash afield. All right, be sure to subscribe to the Rise Elite podcast so you don't miss out on any of the future episodes that are in the works right now. So with that being said, my name is Tyler Pruitt and I'll see you guys next week.